peace, hope, joy, and love. Today on the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast, we reflect on how these main themes of the Advent season bring meaning to our everyday lives. And now, today's message. I think all of us, whether we're parents, moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends, doesn't matter. We have all seen the sheer thrill on the face of a child as a birthday cake is brought towards them, lit with candles. And we got that in your mind? And what do we sing? Happy birthday. We go from one year to the next in just a few weeks, and we say to one another as we shake hands or whatever we do, Happy New Year! We go to weddings, and somewhere in the midst of the celebration, we are often asked to stand and to toast the bride and groom and to wish for them all of the happiness in the world. I saw this little clip in the television this past week, even though this is written, when parents were asked what did they want for their children, the often reply is that they really don't mind what they do as long as they're happy. That's all that really matters. So what that says when you add these kinds of things up is that happiness is high on our wish list for the people, not just at the Christmas season, but all through the year. We want them to be happy. It treats happiness as though it's something we're kind of climbing towards. So I looked up happiness in Google. You get some definitions. Um, Aristotle. Aristotle is the Greek philosopher. He says, Happy, happiness belongs to the self-sufficient. So if you're not self-sufficient, I guess you're just stuck. You're going to be unhappy. Someone said, if you're a teenager, happiness is knowing that the phone calls for you. Or I like the unique humor of George Burns. Happiness is a large, close-knit family who live in another city. If you listen to some of the well-known motivational speakers today, what would they teach you? They would teach you that happiness is a choice. So in life, we choose our responses. And we're told it's that choice. When things happen, we can choose to be sad or happy. We can be mad or glad. We can be better or we can be bitter. That's what today's motivational speakers would say to us. And there is some truth in that. Let me just say that. But that's the gospel of motivation. There's truth in that. We, we choose our responses, and okay. But let's be honest this morning for a few minutes. We live in a world of unwanted pain, unasked for cancer, which comes like a silent intruder into the life of a loved one. And these things are not fixable. As I get to know you in these um, months as a congregation, I know that some of you are facing serious health issues. Some of you are facing deep family struggles. And it's not just as simple as I choose my response. Will I be mad or glad? I think in these kinds of times, we have to find an answer that is substantially different, much deeper than the, mo the mo motivational platitudes that, that are handed out, like, you know, the little sayings and fortune cookies. But there's another word, another word or quality that's higher in the Bible and higher in our Christian experience. It comes in that little word, 
Joy. Joy. Just a little word, three letters. But actually, when you think about it, it's one of the really big words in the Christian faith. Its meaning to us is huge. The difference between happiness and joy may be subtle. But the distinction and the difference is crucial. And we may say, you know, that happiness is a choice. But can I say to you this morning in these minutes together, joy is a gift. And it is a gift from the hand of God. All kinds of events and circumstances happen to us in our life. We know that. Some of them are large and some of them are small. Some of them are good and some of them are not so good. Some of them um, are unwanted intruders into our lives. I often have said to people as I've visited and prayed and sometimes cried with them in the midst of life's struggles and pain. God is always good. I really believe that, folks. God is always good. But life is not always fair. That's the other half of that sentence. So in the midst of the challenges and the struggles of life, there comes a different word from God to us. And that word is joy. It comes through his messengers, the angels. And it's not about being happy. It's far, far deeper and far richer than that. It is a message and it is a gift of joy. You see, angels are used in the Christmas narrative as God's kind of courier companies. They're kind of heavenly FedEx. They deliver the message. Here, here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeals to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. You know, every time an angel appears, I think the first words out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just calm down. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. So if, if happiness is a choice and it comes to us by the way in which we choose to respond, then joy comes from a deeper place. Joy is a gift from God. C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his books, one line, joy is a serious business of heaven. I love that. Joy is a serious business of heaven. But what is joy? How, how do we describe it? More important, how do we get it? <clears throat> Here's my word to you this morning. Here's your takeaway. Joy is the result of being able to connect the events and the experiences of life, whatever happens to us, to connect those things to the purposes and to the person of God. Let me give you that. Joy is being able to connect, to join the events and the experiences of our lives, the good and the bad and the not so good, whatever happens to us to the greater purposes and the person of God. Joy is the gift that God gives to us when we're able to connect what's happening to us, usually and often outside of our control, to who God is and to what God is doing. When we remove God from all events of, lives, of our lives, and we have some folk that we know who, who just would say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything. And when we really think and live like atheists, then all the good events just become happy, casual results of positive thinking. The sad and tragic events become a bitter pill, but we've no choice but to swallow. That's all we're left with. 
then we live in a godless world in which we create our own heaven and our own hell. And I don't want to live in that kind of world. But when all of life is linked to God, when all of life can be connected to, to who God is, we are able, said the scriptures, to enter into joy. You see, joy comes from the willingness to connect events to God. Joy comes from our obedience as we are willingness to link events, especially those events that we cannot understand, to the unknown purposes of God. Our faith calls on us to see events in the light of God's plans, in the light of God's purposes. If joy is a gift, then it is a gift that comes from a choice. And the choice is either our obedience and willingness to link events to the person and purposes of God or to shut him out. Perhaps that's what Nehemiah discovered when he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He connected his life with his challenges and struggles to the reality of God. He was strengthened to face life with joy. So we can sing happy new year, happy birthday. But happiness often just vanishes like the morning fog. And it is overcome by the depth of what joy is about. That's why Psalm 30 says to us, weeping may come, weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes. Can you finish it? In the morning. All of us know and events and circumstances they would drive us both to our tears and to our knees. We feel the coldness of night overwhelm our hearts. We walk in days where the sun doesn't shine and our lives are eclipsed by the darkness of some struggle. I think it would deepen the pain even more to suggest, even to think, we can just choose to be happy. That would be an insult. But if we can connect even these dark events to faith in God, then the darkness of the night within us will come to an end. And we will break forth into the light, the warmth of the morning. You see, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the sunshine. And joy does not necessarily change our problems but it does change our perspective. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life can be unfair. And we feel that some struggle is out to defeat us. Whoever said things cannot get any worse was wrong. Things can get worse. The better question is, will we be crushed and defeated by this? Will his darkness overwhelm us? Or will we, can we connect our struggles to God? I thought about this a lot when I wrote this a week or so ago. There is nothing to be gained by suffering for the sake of suffering. That only makes us callous or apathetic. Suffering and struggles always change us. And they do not necessarily change us at times for the better. It only changes us for the better when we can connect them to the character and purposes of God. There was a man called Viktor Frankl. 
And out of his experiences in a concentration camp where he lost his wife and his children, Viktor Frankl wrote, Man's Search for Meaning. You have to forgive, ladies, please, the masculine use of men in that case. This was written at an earlier time. You know that. It's not an issue just for males, for all of us. But his, book, his little book is called Man's Search for Meaning. And out of his time in a concentration camp, the core of Frankel's philosophy is that a person's deepest desire is to find meaning in his life. And if he can find that meaning, he says, we can survive anything. And he found meaning in his experiences in the concentration camp by deciding that he was going to use his suffering as an opportunity to make himself a better person. Viktor Frankl, having lost his wife and children, identified three sources of his meaning. He says, we find meaning in work, which is doing something significant. He says, we find meaning in love, caring for another person. We find meaning in courage during difficult times. He wrote that suffering itself is meaningless, but our response to it gives us meaning. The book of James, written in the New Testament, very possibly by the younger brother of Jesus. James begins his letter, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish his work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Most of us, all of us would say, one of the goals of my life is to be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. And God says, then that's what life is doing to you. The struggles of life that you face is getting you towards that goal that you want. Perseverance must finish his work in you so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I don't think James is suggesting that we rejoice at the news of cancer or some deep family struggle. At best, that's superficial and phony. It's worse, it's dangerous, an impediment to finding real spiritual life and health. But if we can ask, even in the most timid of voices, dear God, what is the secret that lies hidden in this event? How can this be shaped, used to shape my life even a little more towards Christ? And then we begin to make tiny steps to enter into joy. Suffering alone does not produce perseverance. It is only suffering that is somehow endured in faith. There's a list of Christian virtues that all Christians know and should inspire to. We call it the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit, says Paul, is love and joy and peace. I think all of us admire people who don't give up. They stick at a project and they don't give up. We admire their perseverance. But do you know what the opposite of perseverance is? It's stubbornness. It's not giving up. And some people persevere, but they're also sometimes just stubborn. And there's nothing particularly spiritual in that. And their stubbornness can be rooted in anger. Sometimes people's stubbornness is rooted in resentment. You see, the difference lies in our quality and attitude of not giving up. 
But joy cannot grow in the womb of bitterness and resentment. Enduring without God, I think just leads to bitterness. And bitterness robs us of the possibility of joy. Bitterness makes us hard. Bitterness fills us with revenge. I'm going to get even. And people who are bitter disqualify themselves as candidates for joy. So just as Mary offered God that warm sanctuary of her womb as a safe place for Jesus to be conceived and born, you see, joy also needs a soft and a willing heart from us. It needs a safe place to be born and conceived within our soul. Because joy is a command, joy needs the warmth of obedience. And Jesus understood that. Jesus knew that. Joy may not change the present for us, but joy asks us instead to focus on the future. Hebrews 12, it says, Jesus is the author and the perfecter, the one who brings to the completion of our faith, who for the joy that was said before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Without understanding and yielding to the character of the Father and trusting himself to the, the purposes of God, I think the pain of death, never mind death for sin, that would have been a crushing defeat. But Jesus linked his death to the cosmic purposes of God. Bringing salvation to the world. Bringing salvation to us. Jesus was able to look far, far beyond the pain and the darkness. He was able to connect the cross to the purpose of God. And so look ahead with joy. Now I don't know what we're all working through this Advent season. Those here, those at home, all kinds of places. There's probably a mixture of good stuff and some lots of good stuff. There's probably some painful stuff. Well, we watch this Advent candle being lit. Ask yourself this morning, can I connect what I'm facing right now, right now, to the character and purposes of God? And perhaps in faith, some purpose that you cannot see and you cannot understand. If you're merely enduring, hanging on, and slowly becoming bitter, that will eat away at your heart and make you hard. But can you connect in prayer some struggle to the purposes of God in your life? You may not be able to see it right now. But then endurance and perseverance will start to take on a different kind of quality. If you're struggling in the darkness of your soul with something this Advent season, can you look ahead in faith? And can you experience and see even the first shafts of morning light and light a candle of joy in your heart? And when you start to connect your struggle to God, joy will quietly arrive on the scene. Light a candle of joy in your heart today. Jesus said to his disciples, I have told you all of these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or it may be complete. God wants us to be a lot more than happy. We all know that life is a lot more than candles on a birthday cake. He wants us to live in joy. That's the reason he sent his son into the world. 
and he gave a bunch of ordinary shepherds a life-changing message to bring to the world, a message of joy. And this Advent season, this morning, in fact, this very moment, can you light a candle of joy to confront some darkness in your heart, to address some pain in your life? And this very moment, can you connect your life to the life of his son, Jesus? It's not always easy to understand what's happening in our lives. It's not. Let's be honest, it's not. But can we say with honesty, I don't always know why, but I know I trust in God who knows why. That's what makes the difference. I've struggled up and down as a pastor in my life. And one author who's helped me greatly in my struggle in this area is a philosopher, theologian called Osgenes. He's British. In one of his early, early books, it's called In Two Minds, The Dilemma of Doubt. It deals with the, the whole human quandary of doubt and struggle in our lives. And he says that in the perplexities and struggles of life, we have to come to a place which he calls, here's your phrase for this morning, your takeaway. He says we call it suspended judgment. Those two words, suspended judgment. And this is how he defines suspended judgment. He says, we do not always know why. But we know why we trust in God who knows why. And that's what makes the difference. Osganes says that there are places and times in life that we cannot know the answers. We may never know the answers. Sometimes all we have is questions. We say, why? Why me? Why my spouse? Husband, child. And so what we have to do, we have to, he says, suspend judgment. Because we cannot, we will not know the answer now. Perhaps not even this side of heaven. But we know from life why we trust God. And that's what makes the difference. Harriet and I had to do that some years ago when our very lovely 36-year-old daughter-in-law died of cystic fibrosis, leaving two young children. We had anointed her with oil and prayed for her healing. And on our final days, we prayed for lungs to be found for her and a lung transplant done. Her surgeon phoned hospitals all across Canada, all across Canada, trying to find lungs for her. They never came. Suspended judgment. A few weeks later, I was in the car one day, sitting behind me in the back seat. Our eight-year-old grandson said to me, Grandpa, We anointed mom with oil and we prayed for her to be healed. Why did God not heal her? That suspended judgment. And I know that some of you are in the same place right now. I know that. So can you remember this truth as we think about Jesus? 
Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, the one who brings it to completion, who for the joy that was said before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus was able to connect his pain and the agony of the cross for the greater and higher purposes of God. He knew, he knew that sorrow would come in the darkness of the tomb, but the joy would break forth on that third morning when he rose again to sit at the right hand of the Father. Jesus knew that. Then he asked the worship team to come. I invite you to stand. Perhaps this Christmas season, do you need to connect some sadness that you're experiencing to the joy of God? Do you need to connect some darkness that you are in to the light of God? Can you say to God in these last few minutes, dear Father, I want to connect what I'm going through right now to who you are. I want to connect my life to your light and to your love. And I'm asking for the joy of the Lord to come to me and to be my strength. I know this is Advent season. We use the same carols, but here's an old hymn. It finds its beginning in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. That the Lord is with us. He is on our side. It's a call to joy. And in the meantime, we suspend judgment. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Podcast.